Dan, welcome to the Building and Growing podcast. We're delighted to have you here today. Thanks, mate. Thanks so much. Very, very happy to be here. You're most welcome. Dan is the founder of Invisible Artists and has had a fantastic entrepreneurial career. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Well, shucks, yeah. Um, yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, so uh, I started uh, Invisible Artists about 10 years ago, um, over 10 years ago now, actually. Um, and it's kind of it's kind of grown into a, a big company, it's downsized to a small company, in and out like that for over that decade, just based on what was going on and where we were. Um, started in Sydney and then grew to London and Singapore. Dabbled in Dubai for a couple of months, got right. some work through there. But um, yeah, I, I think it's just been a, an amazing journey. I mean, I started in advertising when i was 19 okay and always enjoyed kind of you know working in in media and, and that kind of thing was that back in sydney yeah back in sydney yeah, yeah. so yeah so it's kind of uh yeah it was it's kind of I, I suppose i fell into it and what i realized with advertising is it's kind of where all of the people who didn't enjoy school kind of hated i suppose certain aspects of of having to do working for the man type life yes. and um so i found my tribe yeah, yeah. <laughs> as it were in advertising because we're all just kind of misfits and just loved kind of doing the wrong thing <laughs> I, I i've seen the series mad men yeah. on netflix was it like that yeah I, th I think yeah there's probably elements of um uh the mad men being back in the 60s there's still elements of, of that that play out yeah i think the the fun times the really fun times of advertising are pretty much over now okay okay but yeah there was a good 50 60 years there of um i don't know it's just coming up with fun stuff and and selling it to clients and helping grow their brands and products so yes. yeah i think i think it's it's got its place it's just advertising is, has evolved and changed so much yeah over the last tw 20 years it's all a different conversation now indeed i mm. suppose it's it's a different when you're making campaigns that are you know, predominantly focused on Google and Facebook and, you know, social media platforms as opposed to the big old television adverts. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And and, and even between different regions, it's, you know, so when I remember going to Singapore to to spec it out, went to Hong Kong and Singapore was going to open up in either of those two. Yes. And I think luckily and thankfully we opened for Sing in Singapore because – you know, Hong Kong's been through such a huge turmoil yeah, um, yeah. in the last five years. Um, but Singapore's a great kind of halfway point between London and Sydney. Yes. Um, it's, uh, it's got s it's great people, um, really nice atmosphere. Um, but yeah, I suppose one of, the, one of the things that struck me there is the, the billboards and, mm -hmm. the, and the kind of screen, like um, LED screen billboards that were everywhere uh, across Hong Kong as well. Yes. Um, you know, we still, I think humans still like to see stuff in passing. It's not just all on our phone. Yeah, indeed. Um, and Australia loves telly. Yes. You know, if you've got your ad at the, the front of the cricket, um, <laughs> you are, you know, you're, you've ticked that box as the CEO. Yes. So, um, yeah, and, and UK is a bit of everything. It's absolutely, mm. U UK is, you know, connected into Europe so much, but you know, everything's social. If there's any new trend, if there's any new thing that's picked, picking up uk just jumps on it like nothing else and then there's 12 other companies doing exactly the same thing yes. trying to make make their market leader yeah um australia kind of sits back 
for a bit and goes ah don't know if i need to change yet <laughs> and and uh and yeah so it's it's all it's been that was one, probably one of the greatest things about having the company and and having uh grown up in advertising and studying it and and seeing it for so many years i just love seeing it evolve yeah mm. it was just fantastic you know not only were you able to open up your own company but then mm. you know you were able to open up branches of it across the world it's not yeah. something that everyone gets to do no and i suppose you know m maybe that's the uh what people say entrepreneurial spirit in me i, I don't know if that is entrepreneurial yes um i, I think uh, but but I saw opportunities mm -hmm. and I saw uh, the potential in the staff and and the people who, who were working with at Invisible Artists. There was, I mean, Esther worked from for us in Sydney for only about six months, yeah. and then um, she had to leave because her visa had run out. She's Canadian oh, okay. and Hong Kong um, yeah. national, and so was able. Uh, and she and she wanted to kind of travel the world so she said how about i open up london for you wow yeah and she ended up then kind of moving to singapore and opening up singapore yes so she's like a key person in in everything yeah. um and almost inspired me to do it yes you know some sometimes i think you find it's not it, like i'm not comparing myself to steve jobs but steve jobs was the kind of architect behind apple yes he didn't dream up the mouse he didn't think of designing anything uh, mm -hmm. he had thoughts of but he he paid good people good money to build the business and he kind of helped you know i suppose build the blueprints yes and then f and focus on the vision and then the rest followed so yeah yeah i i don't know i think there's just elements of that uh, of being in business you know you could you can have a great business just in one market doing things for people and have it there for 20 30 years mm. but i think i've much more I like risk, you know, yes. I really embrace risk and, and opportunities. Mm. So if there's potential to do something, I'll, I'll say yes more than no. Yeah. yeah, and that's a true entrepreneurial spirit coming out. If that there. is, yeah, so yeah. be it. <laughs> and and how, how do you sort of empower others through culture and, and you know, with your vision um, so that I suppose they make decisions that take the business in the direction that you'd like it to go down? Well, I think the 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 main difference that I find, and it might be different for everyone else, is that when I was working for someone, I always felt like I was lying. Mm. And when I had my own business, I felt like all you could do is tell the truth yes. and be honest. Um, and I probably didn't realize this till recently, but but yeah, because um, my partner is, you know, she she's in uh, a great job and she's she's doing really well. Yeah. Um, but I, t I think like I find her, not just her, but you know, she, you, we, whenever we go into a job or into a role, it's like we pretend that we have to be happy and we love the work and we, yeah. we're happy to see everyone. You know, you can't really be fully honest. Yes. You know, yeah. you can't say I'm having a really shit day today. Yeah. Um, uh, certainly not to your boss, to mo for most people. But when I started the business, I found like you know if. I I had I had to be honest with everyone and myself and if and and I f I found the joy in working for the smallest of clients as much as the biggest of clients. Yes. Because usually the smaller ones are either friends or friends of friends or uh, referrals from people that you know. Mm -hmm. So you've you've mm -hmm. got like that. You've you've got you're being trusted 
to um, be reliable and be yeah. competent to a network of people who are in your network. Indeed. And um, and I thought that was great. I, I just loved that whole um, you know connection towards everyone, and so it was it was great. And I think maybe that's where it stems from in a way. Um, you know, the the, the vi building the vision or um, doing great work for for good people. Yeah, it's just an honest like thing. I just lo I would say to the guys and and everyone in the company saying this is great. I love that. And if if I could see they weren't happy, then I'd probably say you know right, that's fair enough. I understand. But you know the reason how we got this job is through this person who did that, and they yeah. they helped me do this once, and so. Um, maybe that helped them understand the why like why yeah. why why yeah. they were doing it rather than just here's a job go away and do it and make sure it's good yes yeah you're not you weren't doing the um uh the word escapes me the sort of you know mass um you weren't up for you know just high volume low quality you know you wanted it to be high quality work high quality yeah. relationships yeah yeah well there was a there's a business coach that i um, had worked with in a previous company that I worked for, yeah. and and she was amazing. Um, she was a lawyer that turned kind of life coach and business advi advisor. I actually went back into law, okay. but um, but she uh, she just said, look, you know, it's simple setting out the, um, your vision and values at the start. You're either a boutique or a cash cow yes. company, yes. and you know, so you're either a kind of Bailey and Sage fruit and veg shop or mm -hmm. your Sainsbury's you know yes. take take your pick which one do you want because you can't really be both yeah indeed. and and I think that's where maybe a lot of companies get stuck or a lot of um, founders and, and people when they're coming up with their idea it's very difficult to stick to one thing mm. without mm. getting dazzled by the lights of everything else and all the other things and all the other ideas that you could be doing yeah that's right um, yeah and I, and I think as well for people who you know it, it it takes a certain level of risk appetite to start a business, um, mm -hmm. but it takes a greater level of risk appetite in order to say, I'm going to be the boutique and I'm not going to say yes to everything. Because it's easy to say, I'm boutique, and then say yes at, you know, 50% of what your, you know, your, your, your target contract is. Yeah. Um, that turns you very much into, let's say, the supermarket. So, yeah. I, and I think that that, you know, is a very hard thing for, for people. Um, uh, it's hard to say no to money when, you know, you, you're a founder that's, you know, just started out or even going down the line. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think it's... Um and also at the start, you kind of don't really know what's what the ultimate end is going to be, mm. especially if you've, you've just done it, if you're starting out and you've never had your own business before. Yes. Um, so I think, uh, contrary to what you're just saying, I did say yes to everything. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, only because I just didn't know wh when the next job was coming. Yeah. And yeah. and I think as you when you get kind of buoyant and to a point where the business is... Um, not full but you know you can you can basically you're, you're you're not kind of having to tread water every day and wait for the next paycheck yeah. to come in or the next you know invoice to be paid mm. um when you've st when you've managed to kind of get enough cash in the business you go right i can think more strategically now yes and yeah. i mean it's it's the same for for most um businesses you know it's a lot of businesses just hand to mouth yes so yeah. um 
so you kind of have to say yes to the work to get the to get the money in but then as you're finishing that one you get another great job and yeah. then you go great that's cool and then you go, oh hang on a sec but where's the next job coming in yes and it's that kind of wave of kind of the, the rise and the fall of you know work coming in and work going out indeed, indeed. Um, a mate of mine had a plumbing business in sydney and he he uh it, they seemed to have it right it was just partnership one guy quoted and one guy did the work wow so it actually worked really really well because you know one guy's on new business and quoting and impressing new clients and yeah. then sam's just kind of going in and doing all the all the shit work literally yeah 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 <laughs> shivers eh? yeah 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 oh no i mean yeah good grateful to be sitting here instead of uh you know sitting and uh, uh uh learning how to do plumbing i'm not sure i i could plumb as good as i can talk but no, uh, no. you know uh yeah like um uh, fantastic professions and i think you know a lot of entrepreneurs are in the trades um and you know they don't they don't get enough attention uh, uh you know when it comes to podcasts like this um so uh I'm absolutely glad, you know, yeah them, i mean yeah. you know pimlico plumbing just yes. sold for i think it was 180 million wow Fuck so man. you know which is yeah. a very simple franchise model mm. uh, i'm not sure of the qualifications of the guy who started it but his name escapes me but he's um but you know he started doing plumbing franchises in pimlico and it grew to all other trades yes to the point for so long that it, it got to you know being sold out for 180 million yeah which is incredible yeah right? yeah. yeah um yeah it's great yeah massive sale so in terms of um you know your journey um from sydney to london you know we spoke we've spoken about the company's journey and how that yeah know, moved how did did let's say the epicenter of the company move before you or did you, you you know deciding to move um uh you know reshape the business yeah that's a good question i suppose um i think the by by well i suppose it, I, I never feel like I, so i i moved over yes definitely but i feel like the business just grew into new territories right so we kept the same clients that we were working with in sydney which was great we never i can't think of anything that we had to say no to or, or we'd lost mm, mm. but what it, what i thought it was really um positive for was it showed um ambition and drive to the the team yes um it showed that you know anything's possible mm. um and also i think it helped assert to clients that we were working with in sydney some of those clients were also moving around the world yes and they saw invisible artists growing and thought oh okay yeah that's cool because that's 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 like me that's more like yeah my kind of company it's not just the the little tv production company down the road that does all the same award ceremonies and wins the same award every year and does this that and the other yeah yeah um so yeah i think i was trying i was trying to be inspirational yes fantastic. um because i i i was happy to do it and i think it w yeah it really inspired the staff and clients yeah that we were growing and it was all nat natural it was you know didn't take on any loans or yeah anything like that um it was all bootstrapped, yeah. which is the word that came about since I was bootstrapping. <laughs> yes, I, yeah. love, I love that word. It's yeah. sort of my favourite. I, I think it just inspires sort of respect. You yeah. Know? Um, you can't help but think uh, of a cobbler. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, just literally <laughs> making his own shoes. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, yeah, so that was, that was kind of great, uh, I suppose, that part of 
I didn't really know anything different is the easiest way to say it. So a lot of ignorance is bliss and mm. um, doing a lot of work to, uh, you know, you look back and you go, I did probably didn't need to do half the amount of work that I did. Yeah. Didn't need to do half the amount of meetings, but you just never know. Yeah. yeah and yeah. and I think that's where um, I definitely kind of came out of my comfort zone. I mean, I, I was an editor in the advertising agencies for okay. uh, over 10 years before that. And I yeah. always joked that I literally kind of went from the dark edit suite um, with very low lighting for 10 yeah. years and just kind of went and traveled the world as this new person. Yeah. Um, and I had to really kind of get, you know, I was kind of, I'm naturally quite a shy person. Yes. I don't really like going to talk to new people. Um, that I haven't met before, but, but you're I, very good at it. If well, I might, <laughs> you know, just add for the audience. Well, thank you. <laughs> but I suppose it's it's just, um, you know, you kind of practice mm. and you put yourself out of your comfort zone, and then you get better at it. And then once you've practiced enough, you don't even think about it. So yes, yeah. So yeah, now I'm I'm more than happy. The other thing is also I'm 40. I'm over 40. I'm 43. <laughs> um, and you definitely get to this age and you say oh, I don't really care anymore what other people think. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's one of the, it's like a superpower. Mm. Honestly, it's absolutely great. <laughs> yes, yeah. Just don't really, I don't really care if people like it or not, or if they agree with me or not. That's fine. They, they can be that that yeah, way. Yeah. But I I do enjoy actually now going to meet new people and seeing what their story is and what travels they're doing and photographs on Instagram. Yes. I think it's a lovely, lovely part of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah which mm. is fantastic. And look, you know, we, we've spoken a lot about the, um, you know, the growth of the company during the pandemic, you know, film um, and media were, were really hit hard um, as industries. Um, are you able to talk a bit about the experience that you had operating across, you know, three or so different countries when COVID hit. Yeah, so um, funnily enough, I, w I happened to be staying nearby here uh, from the studio yes. when um, I think it was where the effects of COVID were, were starting to hit London. Yes. So um, uh, around the end of February 2020, I was in Singapore yeah. um, on one of the trips that I would normally do to go out, get some new business, do some hiring or firing, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. I, I, I was tasked with that job always. Yes. yes. Um, and uh, Singapore was a, like a ghost town. Mm. Um, it was really quiet. So that that week I was there was amazing. We got to go to, you know, restaurants that we couldn't get into. Wow. All of the hawker stands that, you know, there, there were a queue an hour long. Yes to try and get some food and we could just walk straight up and I was asking yeah. them what's what's going on and they were saying about the new flu mm. from China mm. and everyone was really really scared about that yeah um, and of course Asia's been through different forms of flu for years and years decades yeah so there's a different attitude to mm. when something like that happens it's all kind of no stay indoors yes do what yeah. you need to do keep your family close um, wear masks mm. um, but I came back to London and, um, yeah, it was in between kind of um, places to stay. And, uh, yeah, I just went out for dinner and um, and I spoke to the Uber guy and he said, oh, it's very quiet for a Saturday night. Yeah. I said, oh, okay, what, why? He said, yeah, it's the last week. It's been really, really quiet. Like, there's been no business, no Ubers, wow. Wow. journeys or anything. I said, oh, okay, maybe it's that new 
flu thing that's happening in China as well. Maybe I don't know. And then yeah. literally within two days, it started to hit the news much more. Yes. Heavily, yeah. um, I had a contact who who worked at um, one of the airports and was saying how this is pretty serious. Yeah. Um, you know, it's going to affect any form of border um, immigration and uh, anything like that. And uh, and I think uh, the the trouble in Italy. Had like around Milan had had already kind of started. Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know. So as a business owner, you care about you know the health and well being of of your staff and the business and how everything's going. Mm, mm. And my business partner Tom and I just kind of uh, wasn't sure really what was going to happen. And he he actually happened to have flown from Singapore to London. Yes. For a week's kind of you know strategy catch up talk about things yeah and he was really struggling with new business for six months prior to that okay we had yeah. a lot of jobs kind of just fall off yeah we don't that normally didn't happen to us normally we'd have a consistent three to six month viewpoint of where the business is going and yeah. what and what pipeline is yeah um but no he um yeah he was just saying how he was getting really frustrated and rightly so it's like all of these jobs that were booked were getting pulled mm, and mm. there's not really any excuse why yeah, um, yeah and um our biggest billing client basically pulled all of their work within a couple of weeks Shivers, yeah. um uh, other other i can't really say who, which clients but um other clients they said yeah we we, we can see about the future may, maybe the yeah. stuff but everything kind of got hold uh, on hold Wow. And I and I started really worrying about like what's the worst that can happen. Worst that can happen is close the company. Yes, yes. Um, and uh, best is that w this will just blow over in a couple of weeks. Yeah. But all the information that was that I was searching for was pointing towards this is this is an a you know a pandemic the size of the one hundred years ago. Yeah. And there's no kind of quick fix. Mm. It's going to be years before this gets better. Yeah. And um. And I think we like shortly after we took the decision to say everyone from in Sydney office, yeah, uh, needed to, and Singapore needed to work from home, mm. um, and and Tom ended up actually being stuck in in UK. Oh wow! Yeah. So he he uh, he never got back to Singapore. His wife and kid were there. Wow! Um, didn't see them for three months. Shivers. Couldn't get into the office to like move out or wind it up. Yeah. The yeah. Sydney guys we were in a WeWork. Um, thank goodness, because um, that's only like month to month. So we just yeah, kind of pulled so the pin on, cancelled yeah, yeah. that. The guys weren't allowed it to go in and take the equipment out yeah. for a few weeks. Yeah. Um, and then, w yeah, so the ha the harsh reality was all work had pretty much stopped. And all of the, um, the team were kind of ready to go ready and waiting but uh, essentially we we kind yeah. of took the decision to say look we, we can't employ anyone anymore yeah, so um decision to make. yeah yeah it was really really uh i mean i could easily say it's the toughest decision i have i've made but it, it wasn't i've had to make some really really tough ones before then yes um yeah. there was a point we had to close the london um employment business as well which was which happened about 2000 and 16 okay. and that was that was a that was a horrible year yeah um and it's the saddest thing is like there's all these wonderful people with amazing talent mm. and friendships that you've built um yeah. but at the end of the day as the as the business owner you have to decide on the direction of of the company and that thing about having the health and well-being of the business and the people and 
you know there's a point where you you know if there's not enough money coming in and there's too much going out well at some point it stops yes um or things need to change yeah absolutely um so yeah so basically uh, invisible artists went remote you know, um, in more ways than one. And actually, that was one of the things behind the name initially. Yes. The Invisible Artists being um, the great work behind the scenes that people don't necessarily see. So the editing yeah. of a film, the the music of a film or advertisement, all of those kind of things. You don't really think about it. It just happens. Yeah. yeah That's where sure. the name came from. And then I thought, oh, and also it could be good for remote working things. Yes. Because even before a pandemic, and I say this now, but I swore remote working was going to be the future because if you look at sustainability wise why do we spend so much time traveling on mm. and using up energy and time yeah to go to and from work where most work can be done at home indeed indeed um but yeah so i mean yeah at, at, at one point it kind of the business kind of went almost to zero mm. but it basically just sat on pause for a year yeah every single employee um had either found or we managed to find work for nice uh, either freelance or full-time and most people went back full-time okay. Sydney because of you know the lockdown you know Australia loves to close a border if, yeah, it's, if there's yeah. any chance it can get that fence that you know that border <laughs> up um, so because that the, uh, the impact of COVID didn't really hit I think a lot of s business as usual kind of happened in Sydney yeah, um, yeah albeit with um, uh, you know social distancing measures Yes. Uh, specifically on set and, and those kind of things. But what what I found was that we, c you know, everything kind of hit a wall at some point. So a client say, oh, okay, well, we know we're in a pandemic, but we'd like to do this shoot here I at this point. We go, oh, okay, well, we can't actually physically get from this point to that point because that's, we're not able to do that. And even if we were there, we need to go and get the gear from this, but we can't get the gear because we don't, we're not allowed to go to that distance because yeah. none of it was key workers. It was all, you know, it was all yeah. kind of distant, um, based on travel. So I found it very diff difficult to work out that. We thought, well, okay, how, we, how about we concentrate on design and animation mm. Mm. and and tried as best we could for that. But then because the sales had dropped off, uh, we couldn't reignite the conversations by going to meetings, which is, you know, the, the, main, the main way we got business was by going and meeting our existing clients yeah. and then get referrals from those people to other clients yeah yeah so because we weren't meeting face to face and we hadn't got used to the video calling things yes it, it just it was just really really difficult yeah, and sure. I, and i think um and i'll be completely honest and i think also having had the company for up to nine years to that point yeah I think I was kind of ready for a change. Mm -hmm. You know, there was also a bit of a personal kind of like, I don't know if I can keep doing this for another 10 years. Yeah. Um, it, 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 I, I think I was mentally healthy and, and everything and I was enjoying the travel and running the business. Yeah. But the, I think the overall kind of like seeing, seeing the fact, seeing the consequences of what this what the pandemic had done to the company mm. and the measures we had to take to do that um there's there's other kind of things about what about the next pandemic i thought oh god if this happens again in five years time i don't know what what we're going to do yes so uh so yeah I, th I think there was a bit of me going okay how about i try something different now how about we work on that app idea that i've had for for ages or basically in the downtime mm. uh what what 
what what could what could we do differently how how, how could we re re-engineer or rebuild this business yeah, yeah so yeah, yeah so it was kind of like um pause but the, you know since since then there's been um yeah the the clients have come back online mm. um the the staff that they used to employ are in other other business uh, other companies now but they still do freelance work yeah for yeah, yeah. for invisible artists when we can so yeah it's great it's kind of just it's just it's just everything's changed a whole world has changed the way we do business has changed yeah and in fact i still i still think we don't know exactly what what our niche is right now mm-hmm. because we had such a great i mean the one of the stories i tell also is that the guys specifically in sydney um was an amazing team like amazing camaraderie between Ed, edwin and danny and uh, and there was like chris who came and went um yeah. uh Beth and you know there was just like and and John T and the guys they they all just kind of worked really really well together yeah and it was it was such a shame because at the point of uh, COVID hitting that was almost like their peak time and it was almost like we we were gonna and we uh, we were gonna bring on two more people we'd already hired one guy Mm -hmm. COVID hit and they'd say really sorry mate we can't we can't employ you but he was like this really great kind of junior coming up through the ranks yeah and yeah, it was it was kind of really really at a great point. Yes. And um, yeah, such a shame. But they worked so so well in a studio, and when it, we went remote, everything fell apart because they didn't yeah. know how to. You know, we're touching and we're looking at screens and talking to people and looking at their faces and reactions and seeing what they want and how to make it better and how to change it. Yeah. And you don't get that over video. Calls. No, no, not at <coughs> all, not at all. And I don't I don't know how other companies did it. Or how other companies got through it all, yeah. maybe because they were actually more, they weren't global, and they were more kind of like they were located closer together. Maybe they could get through maybe it better. They could do it, yeah. Yeah, but I don't, I don't really know. But yeah, I just there was no way we could keep the quality of work that was um, being created by the team could never have kept that up in the way the world is now engineered. Yes, you know. Yeah. Um, because we rely so heavily on just being together. You know, that's a really interesting point you've made about, you know, being together and the importance of face-to-face. Um, certainly, you know, when we met a few years ago, it was at, I think, an Australian business networking um, yeah. uh, event, you know, and, you know, you were working the floor. Um, are you able oh, to... Oh, you make it sound so cool. Hey, oh, yeah, <laughs> you are. Well, I mean, I could make it sound even cooler. It was in the... Uh, the ballroom, I think, of the Australian yeah. uh, High Commission, you know, beautiful yeah. marble everywhere. You were my mum used to work champagne. there. I, I love going there. Yeah. I think of her all the time. Yeah, it's a lovely place. Eh? Mm. You know, um, uh, they should they should host things there more often. <laughs> yeah, we should we should put an event there. How yeah. about we do that? That that'll be great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I suppose just to sort of you know close off the conversation, any tips about you know the importance of the face-to-face uh, dynamic um, for for people that might be used to, you know, being in a virtual world nowadays? Yeah, I mean, um, well, I, I, the easiest thing for me is to talk about pre-COVID. Um, so uh, I, th- I, I think it's, I mean, w- whether, whether it's determined as cold networking or warm or hot or whatever, yeah. you know, hot would be people, you're going to somewhere where you know everyone. Mm-hmm. Warm would be where you you know half the people and and then you're looking to meet them and that's easier because you've got people that you know yes then you can then 
uh, be introduced. Cold networking, so you don't know anyone. Yep. And uh, yeah, I, I, I actually prefer the cold networking thing now because you instantly, because everyone else is usually there yeah. ready to talk and say hello. Yeah. It's rare that you would meet someone that doesn't want to talk to you. It's like, well, mm. if, you, if you're at a cold networking thing, well, why are you here if you're not interested in talking? Yeah. So what you actually get is a lot of really interesting people just happy to have a chat. Yes. Um, I mean, th you know, the strike rate of actually becoming friends like you you and me or um, doing business together, that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's there's probably 1% chance of that. Yeah. yeah but, yeah. you know... Um, it's the network and the connections that it makes, I think, is, is really, really good. So I'd probably say, um, uh, yeah, my advice would be try and be yourself yes. uh, as best you can. Um, the whole kind of one-minute elevator pitch, I think, is a load of bullshit. Yeah. Um, people don't necessarily buy companies or shares. They People buy people. People mm, mm. Uh, are interested in other people. Um businesses by businesses yeah so i like to think is like if, if if i say met you or met someone else yeah. if we connect and we've got things in common we know there's probably some things to talk about well that's great well there may be the businesses that we work for might transact or do something yeah um yeah. it's kind of that that way it's not like you go in as a business and say this is what i do i sell this do you want it yeah you know it's it. like it's just um yeah, just kind of be yourself and, and, and think about how, how, it, how it might appear to other people. Indeed, yeah. indeed, yeah. Look, Dan, very wise words of wisdom. Thank, Thank you, you so much for joining us today and telling us about your story and Invisible Artists. We've touched upon culture, the difficulty of, you know, operating in the pandemic and the, the, the tips for, for, you know, networking. And I think, you know, going to a cold event where everyone is in the same cold water is is a really good tip and a good takeaway for everyone thanks mate yeah thank you no it's been been a pleasure thank you so much dan cheers cheers